Serbia's attack was suicidal. Max Verstappen, you are a race winner. You like my face? You like it? Hello and welcome to Back of the Grid, the Ferrari steering column of Formula One podcasts, where we sometimes go off in a strange direction, but somehow always make it to the end. Nice. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. That one's a good one. Uh, my name is Chris Evans, and I'm joined as always by Tom King and Stu Greenwood. Hello. Hello. Hi, how are we all? Very good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Good. Yeah, not too bad myself. Good. Good. Glad we covered that. Um, <laughs> we are not here to talk about how we are. We're here to talk about the Hungarian Grand Prix, which was won by Sebastian Vettel despite the aforementioned uh, steering issue that he was nursing for most of the race, actually. Uh, led home teammate Kimi Raikkonen and Valtteri Bottas after a last corner swap by the Mercedes drivers. Um, first, quickly to qualify, and the big story there was that Massa... Um, He'd been ill earlier in the week and got better, so ran practice and then sort of partway through practice three sort of took a turn for the worse and dropped out again. Uh, so Williams drafted in one Paul de Resta with about an hour and a half's notice um, before qualifying. I think he said he was ironing his shirt ready to be on Sky Sports when he got the call. Yep. <laughs> and, and he did a damn good job. Um, he's not raced since 2013. He's not driven this year's car. I think the most recent thing he's done was um, he did some setup runs in last year's car when they had Lance Stroll doing some practices. And he managed to qualify not last, which I think is an <laughs> achievement in itself, um, ahead of Marcus Ericsson uh, and only seven tenths off Lance Stroll. And I think everyone's generally, A, happy to see him back in a car because I think everyone seems to like the guy and B, pretty impressed really yeah he was he was openly admitting himself that um he was he wasn't pushing as hard as he knew he could have just because his aim was to get used to the car and just get a lap time down so i do think that had this been like a longer term thing like maybe two or three races depending on what the situation was with massa it i think we could have seen something a bit more out of him sort of yeah come and... even if he'd had like practice three yeah. he might well have been a bit further up there has um, uh has massa sort of recovered already or is he is he still unknown for the next race not really heard anything to be honest on that front um i know he was supposed to be driving in the test today and stroll stayed on to take his place so he's not well as we speak but i don't know if he's getting better or what um I can't remember exactly what it was that was wrong with him. I did hear it. It was an inner ear problem, I heard. <clears throat> oh, okay. Because originally they were saying it might be the same stomach bug that um, Martin Brundle had had, that apparently a bunch <laughs> of people in the paddock have had the same virus. <laughs> Formula One AIDS. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> Brundle was missing from this race again, wasn't he? Yeah, he's still at home recovering somewhere, I think. Because Sky Sports um, had the difficult situation of their <laughs> substitute commentator then suddenly being in one of the cars and having <laughs> yeah. to draft in their second sub. <laughs> Just getting commentating from the car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it was nice to see him back in a car. Um, I'd like to think it'll kickstart his career, but I also don't think for a second that's actually going to happen. Yeah. Well, yeah, it'd be nice I to think... see him back in, in Spa, though, because an inner ear infection is not something that kind of just goes away really quickly. So, Well, I guess luckily for Massa, it's the summer break now, so he's got a good yeah. few weeks to recover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the other thing that it sort of 
could lead to, depending on what Williams decide that they want to do. If they want someone with more experience than Stroll, but don't necessarily mind that it's not necessarily the current aero formula and the current engines, he could be a good shout if Massa does want to try and call it quits again at the end of the year. Yeah, definitely. Because mm-hmm. if he can do what he did at short notice, and don't get me wrong, it wasn't exactly a you know a stellar performance or anything. It was quite average, but to be quite average that short notice before the before the qualifying mm, session absolutely. and to have zero practice at all, I don't think there's many that could do that without binning it or something. Yeah. Especially when their shoes aren't big enough for their feet. Did you hear about that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, his, his biggest complaint after the race was that his feet hurt because his boots weren't big enough. Yeah. <laughs> so, so um, no mean feet. Yeah, so we got an all-Ferrari front row. Um, Hulkenberg, pretty impressive, seventh place for Renault. Uh, both McLarens through to Q3 as well. Um, this was always going to be their best shot of a result, this track. Yeah. This is why Honda deliberately took the engine penalties at the last race, so they'd be yeah. free to uh, qualify without any stupid penalties this race, and it worked out, eighth and ninth. Mm. Um, so for the race, I guess the first big thing to talk about is turn two, the Red Bulls coming together. Mm. Um, Verstappen sort of locking up into turn two, bumping into, it's a big old hit into the side of Ricardo. It popped his side pod open and burst the radiator, uh, burst one of his rear tyres as well. Um, Ricardo was pretty livid. Um, I don't know if you saw when the safety car came round and he sort of gave Max a little wave and maybe gave him the finger, I think, because he drove past. <laughs> I didn't hard notice to tell. that. Yeah. There, was, there was the team radio message of the what an effing sore loser. Yeah, yeah, he called him immature and amateur and all of these things after the race. Mm. Um, Max, for his part, immediately apologised for his part in it. Um, said he was a passenger. Um he looked. He, he did look very remorseful about he did, it. Yeah. Like he he knew obviously what you know what he'd done, and you could tell that it it had upset him that he'd done it. You yeah, know, that, yeah, that 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 came across to me that there was definite remorse in it. But I think slight bits of what Ricardo has said is probably true. Where he saw Danny get round the outside of him again going into turn two. And he was just trying to push too hard and too late on the brakes yeah, because he he didn't want he didn't want to lose that place and all the rubbish that he'd picked up going wide in turn one, then led ultimately to the lockup. Which at that point he was a passenger. There wasn't really anything he could have done any differently. I don't think with the situation no. other than not push so hard in the first place to put himself in the position where he locked up. But that's racing, I think, sometimes, isn't it? Yeah, yeah I mean... He sh- showed a bit of immaturity, I thought. He's trying to win the race in the first two corners, and it's just not how you yeah, go that's racing it. in Formula yeah. 1. Um, but I think if you look back at the history of Red Bull drivers crashing into each other, of which there is a rich history, <laughs> this is one of the only times I can remember someone immediately apologising. So, yeah, mm. that's something, at least. Um, and Ricardo's like, tweeted sort of accepting the apology and saying he wants to move on and stuff. I do think that relationship looks a little bit strained these days. They sort of like to put on this pally front at Red Bull and with all their shiny marketing stuff. But I do feel like this season has sort of 
testing that relationship a little bit, I think. I don't think it can help the fact that Max has had the car troubles and stuff that he's had that's led to his DNA. Yeah, definitely. I think I think when he then gets put in those scenarios where he is side by side with his teammate or he's got a chance to get ahead of his teammate, he's possibly more desperate to take them because he knows that Danny Rick's been sticking it on the podium and getting wins yeah. when he's been having DNFs and it, I think it's a bit of a desperation of I need to show that I can do that when I've got those opportunities and not come 5th, 6th, 7th with the same car <clears throat> Yeah, of course. I, I, I think it's partly that that's not going to help <laughs> yeah definitely um, he got given a 10 second penalty for uh, causing that which some people have said seems a little harsh um, I don't know, what do you think? I think the only thing less that they could have given him was a five-seconder, wasn't it? You yeah. could have a five-second stop. I think the thing is you can't... You have to take out the fact that they're teammates. Like, if, if that had been yeah. a driver from a different team steaming and taking someone out, you could argue the 10 seconds. I, th- I think a lot of people are miffed that he got a 10-second penalty for, you know, steaming in a bit too hard and... Vettel got a 10 second stop go for deliberately driving into someone I've seen a lot of people making that point but I don't understand what I don't get why would you be miffed about someone intentionally purposefully getting a worse penalty than someone accidentally I think people are saying the gulf between those two penalties isn't big enough I don't know you know people like yeah I would say the the thing to bear in mind is that obviously Vettel's is a stop go which means you can't work on the car. The difference yeah. with what Max had was it was a 10-second penalty, which is either served during a pit stop, <clears> meaning you can work on the car, or if you then don't take another pit stop, it's just added to your race time. So yeah. it's, a, it's, it's a literal 10-second loss. The Vettel thing from Baku is like 30-something seconds. Yeah, yeah, net, probably, isn't seconds. it, when you factor in the pit lane? So, yeah, yeah it, it's definitely something to bear in mind that yeah. maybe people aren't, haven't realised when they when they're looking back at it, right? So, yeah, oh, right. Okay, okay. So they've just. I, th- to... I think that maybe what we need is we need a harsher penalty than the ten second stop go. Something in between that and a DQ, because it surprised me when I heard that that wasn't. Sorry, that was the the harshest thing they could do, yeah. other than well, black flagging. Could they not have given him a drive through? Who Max? Yeah, if that if that's well, that, that would have been that would have been worse though, more than hard, a ten yeah. second. Oh, you want a less hard? Sorry, a less hard. No, no, sorry. I'm I'm talking about the Baku incident with Vettel. If if people think that the gulf between a 10 second penalty and a 10 second stop go because the the net difference is probably about 20 seconds depending on the circuit and the pit lane, and they don't think that the the gap between the two is like justified that that's all Vettel got. Okay. Then. I think maybe they need to look at some sort of penalty between a 10-second stop-go and a DQ. Like, yeah. Yeah. I don't know, a 20-second stop-go or you know something that's going to really punish someone, I yeah, suppose. Yeah. I think without the context of the uh, the Vettel incident in Baku, then the Verst- I don't really see... I think maybe the Verstappen penalty was a little bit harsh, but um, yeah, maybe what we should be like you say, we should maybe think more about how Vettel's penalty should have been harsher rather than... Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think the whole penalty system could do with an overhaul, to be completely honest, because it's not changed all that much in as long as I've been watching F1. 
The thing I'm just thinking is Danny Kvyat, when he's crashed into people recently, has, he's had drive-throughs, hasn't he? Yeah, I think so. So, in, in theory, Max has actually got off light. Yeah. Well, because a drive-thru <laughs> is technically worse than a 10-second. Yeah. That's cost true, you more time. It does cost you more time yeah, because so... there's the time to get to the... Well, you're slow for longer, basically, aren't you? Yeah. So, yeah. like, you, you're losing 20-something seconds rather than 10 seconds. Um, so, maybe Max's isn't actually as bad as it seems for what he's done when you maybe think about not. the penalties that Kvyat's had for similar crashing into people it was, incidents. It, I thought it, it was just... a. I, I would have put it down as a racing incident. It just... He just dropped the. He, dro- he dropped a wheel. That's all he did. But it's just because people are, are kicking off because there's this rivalry between him and his teammate. At the end of the day, it's turn one. A lot of people go off in turn one. His wheels got got sort of a bit scru- scruffy, mm. and he didn't compensate quite enough to uh, to make up for it and locked a wheel. And it's it's made him go into his teammate. It's a total race incident for me. I like your point of opinion there, mm. Stu. <laughs> um, right, should we progress past turn two? Yes. Chris doesn't. Um, so yeah at the front the Ferrari sort of scampered away a bit at the start the Mercedes didn't seem to have the best pace um, but Vettel sort of developed that steering issue we mentioned quite early on Um, he was having to steer left quite a lot actually down the straights Um, and he sort of realised that uh, the big hits on the curbs were making it worse Um, so he sort of started avoiding curbs which slowed his pace right down Um, Kimi was right behind him and either couldn't or didn't want to try to pass him depending on how you feel about his situation at Ferrari mm-hmm. um, and it sort of stayed that way until the pit stops came out in the same order of Vettel, Reichen and Bottas, Hamilton um, Verstappen led briefly because he was last of them to pit um, shortly after Reichen asked to be let through because the Mercedes were catching and the team basically said no Um which was a fair request, I think. It, he was clearly it, had way more speed than Vettel was. It was a really like half arsed request to yeah. get past there, wasn't it? It was like, is there a problem with him because he seems slow and the Mercedes are catching me? It was like a, can you please let me through without me actually asking to be let through? Yeah. And then, then the response was something like, he's having handling issues, but we we should be good to keep keep this pace or something. And so it was like basically it was the most feeble attempt at saying can I go past him followed by the most feeble response of yeah. no <laughs> yeah. it's he almost knew, like he, already, he knew what the answer was going to be yeah completely he even asked. so that's, that's exactly what you're going to say then yeah it? sorry pretty much and then at the same time Mercedes has been having radio issues and at about the same time their radio suddenly started working um, I love that radio message where Lewis says radio check and his engineer goes oh hello Lewis you're back <laughs> yeah and Lewis like, is like, like he's been out for a pint of milk or something yeah. oh hi man you're back and Lewis says something like what is going on why are we going so slowly because obviously at that point they had no idea what um, issues uh, Vettel had yeah uh, yes yeah, mm. so Lewis has to be let by Bottas and they after a heated discussion obliged um, they initially said he'd get five laps to try and overtake the Ferraris in the end he got ten laps uh, he got within DRS range a couple of times, but he never really looked like having a chance at getting past, to be honest, which I think is probably a problem of this track more than anything else. Mm. Yeah. Um, and then, as mentioned, at the end, he at the very end of the race, the final corner, uh, Bottas had dropped about seven seconds back by that point. 
and Hamilton slowed down to uh, let Bottas by, as he had said he would, um, which was slightly risky because by that point Verstappen had uh, caught up massively, and it was only I think I think Verstappen was like three tenths off Hamilton when they crossed the line, so it was it was well yeah. choreographed on Hamilton's part. Um, worth noting that at one point Verstappen was within 10 seconds of the lead having had a 10 second penalty in the race Um, Mm. I think if not for that turn to incident the Red Bulls could definitely have been contenders for podium positions in that race Um, he probably would have been on the uh, would you think he'd be on the back of that pack though because it's so difficult the thing is yeah that's the thing they may well have been in the mix but whether then again, at the point where they clashed, uh, they were running fourth and fifth, were they, I think? Oh, yeah, yeah they, they both were. passed yeah, Hamilton, yeah. so yeah. they could well have been up there. It could have been a bit more interesting race if uh, Verstappen had not punted his team. Yeah, definitely. Sure. Yeah, I think I think they would have had a better chance of attacking the slow Ferraris and maybe force Ferrari's hand of, do we let Raikkonen pass to maximize team scoring here um, yeah possibly and i think maybe verstappen's pace could have forced that a little better than the obviously bottas didn't have the pace to do it and the the problem for hamilton was that he'd spent so long behind bottas that his tires were nowhere near as good as they were when he rocked up behind them yeah so it you know it it wasted the good life in them yeah. and it just never had the 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 final bit of pace but as we've said it's not exactly the easiest track to overtake no well not only that he he pitted way early as well he pitted much earlier than he felt like he needed to pit he said he had so much yeah on his tires and he was quick but he couldn't tell the rate couldn't tell the team so you it's arguable that that could be what cost him this race he could if he'd yeah 10 laps later and had fresher tires then you know that could have been enough to get by both of them um, yes. Yeah, speaking of pitting when they didn't really want to, Raikkonen's strategy seemed basically designed to make sure he came out behind Vettel, and even then, he only just came out behind Vettel. It's got to make you wonder if Ferrari are ever going to let Raikkonen win a race. I mean, he was <laughs> clearly the fastest driver here, and they wouldn't let him pass Vettel. They put him on a strategy that made sure he stayed behind. You know, we know Ferrari. The vast majority of championships you look at that Ferrari have won, it's been when there's been a clear number one driver, and that's clearly still how they're operating. Um, I mean, I guess you've also got the fact that it's looking more and more likely that Raikkonen's going to get another year on his contract. So obviously, because, because he, he behaves when he's behind the yeah, number one I think driver and he does as he's told. He's he's become a very solid number two driver. Yeah, he makes Which, life easy for them. Yeah, yeah. It's a weird one because I I want to see him doing better, but you get the feeling that he's kind of just content turning up and picking up podiums. It seems that way behind Vettel. It? It's like he's, he's he's lost the desire to try actually try and win a world title almost, and he's just happy mm. to to be racing the car, and that that's mm. enough for him. It's it's really weird. It is of. very odd. But it's very difficult to read him as well, just because of his persona and the way well, that yeah. he is quite unemotional yeah. <laughs> in any way whatsoever. It's uh, difficult to read, but that's just the impression that I get generally yeah. this season. And it's you've then got quite a juxtaposition to Mercedes, who that Mercedes and Lewis stuck to their word um, to let Bottas 
back through, even though he had dropped so far back at that point, Hamilton had to practically stop on the last corner to let him by. Hamilton's ahead in the championship. And you have to wonder in their situation whether doing things the fair way and the sort of equal racing way and the team spirit way, you know, might end up actually costing them. Lewis yeah. gave away three points there. We'll find yeah. out, won't we, at the end of the season. Yeah, there's been an awful lot of championships in the last 10 or 15 years that have been won by less than three points. Yeah, Alonso then lost a, it by... Well, last year, Hamilton lost it last year by one point, didn't he? Was it uh, one point? I can't remember. I think it might have been, yeah. It was incredibly close. It was super he def- close. I need to look, we need to look. He definitely lost the 2000... And, he lost 2007 by one point, I think. He won in 08 by one or two points. 2010, Vettel won by one or two points. The The... The main thing about it that kind of annoys me is um, the fact that one of the first headlines I saw come through on my phone as the race finished was um, Hamilton fourth after controversially letting Bottas through for third. It's like, there was no controversy about it, I don't think. It was an agreed, prearranged thing of... he, He very politely said... Look, I think I've got the pace. Can I come through? And he can have the position back if I can't make it work, which a lot of drivers say, and a lot of drivers will then be funny about letting someone back through. And he did his utmost to make sure he yeah. let his teammate back through to give him that podium and also kept the Red Bull behind him. So I, I don't think there's any controversy. In yeah, it I, and that's the thing. It's like was. people try and make a story out of this. Imagine if he'd not let him through. Imagine the headlines I there. Know. But this is the thing, this is like, to me, this is the the classic Hamilton bashing. And I know I'm biased because I'm, like, I am, I'll admit I am a Hamilton fan. But that's mainly because he's a British driver. It could be him, it could be Mansell, it could be Damon Hill. It's a British driver, therefore I will put my support behind him. But I'm also willing to turn around and say that was wrong. He shouldn't have done that. You know know what I mean? Hmm. You've, You've got to have perspective on these things. And... I just think it's yet another excuse for the Hamilton bashers to he can do no good to can he, really? get the pitchforks out yeah. and be like, oh, he shouldn't be doing things like that for people. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, oh. uh, five points it was, five points last year that he lost there it by, oh, okay. largely due to his uh, retirement in Malaysia. His only, his, yes, his, like, his second retirement to Rosberg's only retirement, which was obviously when they clashed in Spain. Mm-hmm. Um, you do get the impression, though, that Hamilton seems to be relishing having a teammate who they seem to, seems to be a lot of mutual respect. They seem to trust each other. They seem to get on yeah. well. I mean, if you look back over Hamilton's teammates, the relationships he's had with them, it, I think it, he's finding it quite nice to have someone like Bottas in the car next to him. What I like about it is this relationship between the two of them as drivers appears to be blossoming into the relationship you expected him and Nico to have. Yeah. Because him and Nico have got this huge history, like, oh, we've raced together since we were six years old, or whatever it was, eight years old in go-karts. And they've kind of competed with each other, but remained best friends and been cool and best pals all the way up to the point where they were teammates. So you're like, oh, this is a match made in heaven. You know, they're going to get on like a house on fire. And it just exploded when it was clearly between just the two of them for the title. Yeah. And I'd, I'd, I just can't see that happening with him and Bottas. I think Bottas un- doesn't seem that kind of person. Unless we get another situation in a year or two when 
Mercedes is far and way the fastest and it's just between the two of them I, yeah I can't see happening either to be honest mm. isn't it nice to have teammates being friends again yeah mm. um, and that was sort of the rub of it really it wasn't the most eventful race in the world um, the most we sort of had the promise of an exciting finish that never really paid off did we yeah, it, the, the the first few laps made me think, "Ooh, this could be one to remember." Yeah. but then it just kind of fell into a traditional yeah. Hungarian Grand Prix. Well, really, yeah, it's yeah, a shame because it, it it's such a good track. I like yeah. as a the drivers seem to like driving around it. Like I know me and you, Stu, have always said like it's we enjoy driving around it on the games and stuff. I don't know if you're the same, Tom. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it just it doesn't generate good racing. No, it's like a karting track. I think so. This, this is, is an interesting point, track. actually. This is something I've been thinking about. Um, the aero formula that we've got at the minute, and we've had for a long time, really, is is something that doesn't. It's often track specific, whether or not there are overtakes. So a lot of people say, mm. "Oh, you know, the, you can't take. They're too dependent on aerodynamics." I don't think that's strictly true. I think if you've got a track that that has a, a long, you know, a lot. Of, t- it tends to be long straights, big stops, followed by long straights, or or areas where they can get close to each other, do a big stop, and then and get past them on the break. A lot of people argue that the aero formula should change to to accommodate more overtaking, but I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think that's the easy way out. I think the more difficult way out is to either go to tracks that warrant more overtaking, or adapt existing tracks to to create more overtaking opportunities properly well this this race kind of was what i always feared would be the case with all races with these new these new era regs was that Mm. cars you can't get near each other and i've largely been proved wrong in the first half of the season but this yeah it was clear that the cars just couldn't stay close together around hungary just out of interest, I know I, I like the point you're making there, Stu, with the altering the tracks rather than the cars. But one thing that sort of popped into my head just then, which I thought you might have been going towards, and then you just went completely the opposite way, hmm. was in things like IndyCar, they have completely different body kits depending on where they are in terms of like obviously if they're oval racing if the street racing and even different street tracks as far as i know have slightly different aero packages and what i was just thinking in my head then was what if you had almost a multi aero kit setup if you see what i mean where on a track like hungary you had you have a slightly different spec that you run because of the nature of track that it is yeah because one one thing that i've noticed is that the the f2s and things like that they've they've opened them up to a little more ground effect as far as i know this year and they can follow each other a lot better because it's more ground effect than Hmm. aero um which it'd be interesting to see them open that possibility open to a little more in F1 so that they can follow better. I think the problem with that is if it's very, very, A, that's very, very difficult to regulate. So if you, Mm. if you say you can only have X amount of points of downforce or however you want to do it, at specific tracks then everyone's going to, obviously people approach that in all different ways. It's like, how do you make it so that it's fair? Yeah. Because we're working to different rules, it's almost like having a different set of error rules for each track, which kind of uh, I, I'm not I, I'm not fond of that idea. Whereas, if you change the layout of the track slightly, 
or maybe not so slightly maybe you add something in that that you know i mean it doesn't have to necessarily be too much you add in it could in certain cases it might only be a chicane but if you add something into the track to improve overtaking then that's that's the same for everyone then you know it's sort of a level mm. playing field rule change where no one can really take advantage of that the only people who can take advantage of that is the drivers by driving it better than the other drivers which is what we want to see yeah true so, but then again imagine if they turn up and said there was much overtaking at spa this year we're going to turn blanchemont into a chicane <laughs> well yeah <laughs> that's not going to go down very well we'd probably get a similar response to what we got from the halo wouldn't we probably yeah the first year but then the next year it's once it's in there then the people will forget and, well i mean and, they, and, and if it and if it works out people will be like what what an amazing race loads of overtakes well they've they, they redesigned really be... silverstone several times it's not outside the realms of possibility i don't think they did a great job of redesigning silverstone but they did it no yeah I wish I could remember all the names of the corners at Silverstone. Anyway, sorry. I <laughs> used to. You used to mention that every single week. <laughs> it's like, like your ongoing thing. You the corners. This is your homework. Your homework for the next episode is you're going to learn all the corners and we're going to test you next time. Okay. I, I, I'll, uh, I'll go for that. I could go for that. It'd be funny. Um, anyway, sorry. I've certainly tra- sidetracked us a little bit there. You've derailed the whole you've, show. You've, you've yeah. Ferrari steering columned us. Yeah. Um... So let's have a quick run through the rest of the teams. Uh, for McLaren, Alonso was best of the rest in sixth place, um, and Van Dorn in tenth to complete their first double points finish of the season. Uh, it's also Van Dorn's first points since his debut in Bahrain last year. Uh, Alonso yeah. also, out of nowhere, got the fastest lap on the last <laughs> lap of the race. Did you see um, his little um, his little skiddy twitchy thing that he did once he'd got it as well and crossed the line? Yes, he was having the time of his life. Yeah. But again, it's another example of Alonso finding a way to entertain himself in a car that's it not really good is. enough to to be up the grid. Yeah, so. it really is. Um, and then Alonso just capped off the first half of the season by sitting in a deck chair on top of a painting <laughs> of himself sat in a deck chair. Yeah. That was brilliant. What it a was lad. so surreal. It's like... It's like someone in the F1 office, like they they now seem to understand YouTube and Twitter. One of them's like, I've heard of this thing called memes. I think we should get in on it. Everyone likes this picture of Alonso. <laughs> um, yeah, he seems happy. I mean, he's obviously not as happy as he could be, but he's having a great time. It was <laughs> nice to see him getting that fastest lap as well. But yeah, it's definitely. Probably probably put him in a quite quite a good mood that uh, that fastest lap. And who knows where the yeah, I think you know, so. The, I think Tom said it. The tides are a changing, aren't they? Like it could be that yeah. the the Honda team are finding finally finding a bit of pace. Yeah, I'd I'd, I'd like to see where they are at now at, at a more engine dependent circuit for yeah, definite. Well, we'll find out in four weeks, mate. Yeah, exactly. Mm. It'd be really interesting to see that that fastest lap though was another one of those moments. You know, what I was saying at Silverstone when he hit that. Uh, P1 at the end of Q1 yeah. and I like literally gave him a round of applause in my own front room <laughs> yeah, I did it again yeah, when, I he had, that. when that so thing popped up I was like yes Fernando because yeah. that, that, that's just what you want to see it just makes you happy seeing things like that it's cool mm. anyway I'll let you carry on with your park for me uh, Torosso signs finished 7th after battling with Alonso for a good chunk of the race early on uh, Kvyat down in 12th he's picked up another penalty point this se- this weekend <laughs> told um, you. Told I you. read. I read earlier today that since he moved from Red Bull back to Toro Rosso, 
he has scored more penalty points than he has world championship points. Oh. Ouch. <laughs> yes. So he's still on for his um, race ban. Two more and that's it. Yep. Uh, Force India, yet another double points finish. Perez 8th, Ocon ninth, despite them coming together yet again, this time in turn one. Uh, I think Perez got front wing damage and Ocon had some pretty substantial floor damage, uh, but there's still much mm-hmm. to hold on for points. Um, I think this time it seems to be in Perez's fault, I think, but yeah, they seem magnetically attracted. There, was, there was a little irony of before the race seeing a piece with Checo calling his teammate immature and silly and then <laughs> crashing into him yeah. moments later when the race started. It was just, <laughs> you couldn't have timed the piece of interview between the two of them nope. better. Uh, Renault, Palmer finished 12th, still no points for him. Another fairly dreary weekend all around, really. Um, there's rumours knocking around today that Renault have actually offered to buy him out of the rest of his contract, <laughs> which is fairly damning. Um, I guess we'll have to see how uh, Kubica does in the test this week yeah. and see where that leads us. Hulkenberg, uh, after starting sixth, he was running fairly well, but he retired towards the end of the race after a clash with Magnussen, which brings us on to Haas. Magnussen finished 13th after a five-second penalty for running Hulkenberg off the road at turn two. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that. It looks pretty cut and dry to me. He just um, opened up the steering and pushed him wide, I think. Yeah, when I, when I first saw it, I thought it was a similar thing to maybe the Max thing where he kind of had no choice but to drift out wide. But the more I've watched it back and back and seen it from different angles, the more I think his penalty was justified. Yeah. Um, and it was pretty aggressive to force him yeah, I think so. off yeah. the way that he did. Uh, I, I thought it was like just Hulkenberg being a little bit too ballsy and trying to go for something around the outside that wasn't going to stick but like I say the more I've watched it back the more I think that I don't think it's harsh or um, or, or like not strong enough I think that the penalty that he's got is probably about right yeah he's dropped him a couple of places he's been a bit facetious wasn't he because of what happened in turn one with with his team with uh Roman Grosjean and Hulkenberg, I think it was a bit Well, of yes, so, revenge. yeah, Hulkenberg, Hulkenberg and Grosjean came together as well in the other Haas. Um, they sort yeah. of, uh, Hulk just washed out wide in turn one, uh, bumped Grosjean up into the air, actually. Their wheels touched and sort of bumped yeah, yeah. him quite yeah, high. Yeah. And Grosjean had a moan to Charlie Whiteson after the race. Apparently, he said, we're not in NASCAR. Um, <laughs> and apparently, Magnussen said to the team on the radio uh, after that Grosjean crash, I mean, if you can do what Hulkenberg did to Roman, then it's going to be a dirty race. Which is ironic when he then ran someone yeah. off the road later wow. on. He made it a dirty race. That's yeah, almost like, um, what's the word? Um, premeditation. Yeah. It's it kind like of it, is, yeah. Uh, you can, uh, for me, like him Motive. saying that, it's probably, yeah, that when he said that, he was probably thinking, if I find myself alongside him, I'm not going to show him any yeah. uh, any spare room. That's that's good loyalty to your teammate, though, as well, to be like, oh, I just run my teammate off the track, he's going to get <clears> some if I see him. Mm. It's like, normally you'd be like, yes, I'm going to finish above my teammate today, but <laughs> no, not Magnus, yeah. and he's like, nope. Well, it's those, it's, it's those constructors points, though, isn't it? Like, a team, a team at their that's level... True. Like, yeah, that is very true. You know, you are much more a team when you're down fighting for those points yeah. than you are uh, at, the, at the sharp end of the grid. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then we had the fun little incident after the race <laughs> where in the um, 
talking to the press, Hawkenberg went over to Magnussen while he's been interviewed uh, and congratulated on being once again the most unsporting driver, to which K-Mag replied, suck my balls, honey. Yeah. <laughs> Don't know if we need to believe that or not, but there we go. Um, Hawkenberg also has a column on a German motorsport website, uh, and apparently today he said he was surprised there'd been such a big like media frenzy over the incident and said he took no offence and... I wish there were as many people talking about the race. At the moment, we have different challenges in Formula 1 than the balls of a wannabe Verstappen. (laughs) (laughs) Which is fairly damning. There's some beef there, isn't there? Some nice little handbags there. Yeah. Who's next? Williams. They were massively off the pace all weekend. Um, Obviously, they had Duresta in place of uh, Massa as well. Stroll finished 14th. Duresta retired with some sort of mechanical issue with about 10 laps to go. Um, We've already spoke about him. Um, and then Sauber last on the road 15th and 16th two laps down um, interesting Verline seems to be under a bit of pressure now that Sauber have signed that new engine deal with Ferrari um, where they're going to be getting uh, the 2018 <clears throat> engines next year uh, Sergio Macchioni the big guy at Ferrari told Ted on Sky that uh, it's an opportunity for them to have a Ferrari junior team now um, obviously with them having Giovinazzi, Leclerc, uh, Fuoco in the wings, and the likes of um, who else have I got? A Lacey, there's a few others, isn't there? Sort of yeah. <clears throat> all waiting in the wings. With Verline being a Mercedes mm. driver, I think he probably needs to be advertising himself to other teams at this point. Do we feel like Verline's done enough in the Sauber? Do we feel like he's no, done enough in the Sauber? Um, no, because he's not. He's not particularly <clears throat> outperforming Ericsson or anything, is he? I think he, I thought he was very impressive for Manor in the sort of tail of last mm. season. He did some really impressive drives last season, but yeah, I, I, th- I think there was a point when he first jumped back in the car after his injury when Giovinazzi was replacing him. When I thought, oh, hang on a minute, he he might be able to show us what he's got now because he he had a few races where he seemed yeah. to be quite a long way ahead of Ericsson, but that gap seems to have closed down a little bit. Um, what what I found interesting was mm. the vote that you set off on Twitter, where um, you yes, at, you were basically saying, yeah, you were basically asking with Sauber effectively becoming a Ferrari junior team which Ferrari junior drivers would people want to see out of Giovinazzi, Leclerc and Fuoco or, or just somebody else? Um, and it was 50% for Leclerc. Giovinazzi was second with 31, but it was quite overwhelmingly Leclerc, which yeah. I can't blame people for because that would no. be my choice every day of the week. Yeah, I think Giovinazzi and Leclerc would be a pretty exciting lineup there next season. Oh, that'd be awesome, the pair of them. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, and the other thing is, if they kept one of their drivers, Ericsson brings quite a lot of sponsorship money with him, so it's probably going to be him that stays. Yeah, you'd have thought so. Yeah, uh, right. Driver of the day. Mm. Uh, the, there's an argument for Vettel. He won yeah, the race with a wounded car, but then he did have Raikkonen being a rear gunner for him. Uh, I believe Raikkonen won the official vote. Really? I think so, yeah. Why? But then again, I think Raikkonen's one of those drivers where, like, if he finishes all right, he'll probably <laughs> win driver of the day, much like Max. <laughs> um, so I think another candidate is probably Alonso, um, finishing best of the rest on the lead lap, getting that fastest lap. Anyone else you guys can think of? It's, I don't know. I, I'm very tempted by Alonso just because of the fastest lap thing, and I just feel like he deserves something. <laughs> um. I don't know. 
Yeah, I'm, I think I'm with you on Alonso as well. Yeah. It it feels weird to give it him for just that, but I'd, I don't know, nothing else really made me as happy as that <laughs> during the race. So. Yeah. There you go. You can have it, Alonso. Um, yeah. I think Alonso can probably also have move of the day because it's the only one we can think of, I think. Um, a decent one anyway, yeah. Yeah, when he passed uh, Carlos Sainz, he sort of shot down the inside of turn one, ran a bit too deep, then cut back to get a good run and go around the outside of turn two and keep the inside line for turn three. Really nice little move. Yeah. What's What I think is a shame is that there would have been a contender to go alongside that <clears throat> had... Um, uh, Magnuson not run. Yeah, definitely. Hulk off the road because it was a similar sort of move around the outside. Yeah. So that's um, a shame. But given that we the... only had a total of fourteen overtakes in the entire race, it's no great surprise. I was um, I was talking to someone about this race and they were saying, "Oh yeah, it was okay, but it was just one of those races, a bit processional." I was like, it was, and I then responded with, I don't know if I can really think of any other time that I enjoyed a race more than when JB won it, or when um, Damon Hill almost won it in the Arrows. They're the only two memorable Hungarian Grand Prix that I can think of in my time watching Formula One, and one of them's 20 years old, because it was 1997 when Damon Hill nearly won it in an Arrows. So that's it. To me, that just says a lot about the general quality of the Hungara yeah. ring. As much yeah. as it's an awesome track to drive, it just doesn't seem to produce no. brilliant races, mm. unfortunately, for it. The, the biggest standout Thing. memory I have of the Hungarian Grand Prix uh, in years gone by is the time when, it's, it's bad, but the, the time when Schumacher almost ran Barrichello off the yeah, road, I going saw by that the pit lane. <laughs> that was. I forgot how awful that was actually until I yeah. saw the video again. He really, really squeezed him to the point yeah. where they, they were almost touching wheels, and yeah, and, into and the Barrichello end of the was pit like wall. touching wheels with the pit wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's... I forgot that was at Hungary. I remember the moment, but I, it didn't register as being in Hungary for some reason. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, I think Alonso gets move of the day as well, drive of the day, uh, and our favourite feature. Honestly, what the f- are we doing here? This one we got a few candidates for at least. Um, there's the Force Indias yet again making contact. Mm. Um, there's Hulkenberg oh, and Magnussen's handbags after the race. Um, I think Verstappen taking out Ricardo is probably the biggest one. Yeah, yeah. Taking it's... out your teammate is not great. It's the mm. unwritten rule, isn't it, that you don't wipe out your teammate. And as much as it was completely accidental it was quite avoidable at the same time yeah um the force indies making a little bit of contact i think was just a tight turn one argy bargy the one with the red bulls and the next corner was a little more avoidable i think yeah um and the hulk and magnuson thing i think that that is just that's just banter isn't it <laughs> i guess so <laughs> any, any other candidates from used you uh, I think that you know it was it was a fairly uh, sparse race, wasn't it, for events in general? It so, was really. Yeah. So yeah, that's probably. I think you've probably covered all of them there. Um, cool. Uh, I think my. We'll, I think we'll my, give that to. Go on. Uh, yeah, I, I'd agree with you on the Verstappen taking out Ricardo. That'd be my. Verstappen, one. it is then. Yeah. yeah, we'll give it that. 
Mm. Right, let's hastily move on to predictions, where it's been mm. a week. It's been a hell of a week on predictions, for uh, <laughs> Your your weeks in predictions are getting worse and worse. <sighs> I I can't I can't speak much for this week either because mine has also been terrible. But then again, me and you practically had the same predictions, more or yeah. less. Yeah, so. there was yeah, or near identical. Um, we've actually yeah. had slightly fewer listener predictions than normal and listeners have still outdone us by <laughs> some margin <clears throat> um so fastest qualifier obviously was vettel um only that's life got that one right we all everyone else went for mercedes i think oh craig mitchell went for uh, craig, craig mitchell went ricardo yeah uh winner vettel again that's life the only ones went for that everybody else said hamilton which is was a fair prediction i think hamilton's usually very good around there but yeah he's yeah. a bit of a specialist around uh yeah around um First DNF, Ricardo. No one came close with that. We had a couple of Palmers and Alonso, Van Dorn, Kvyat. That's life cheekily through in Deresta as their first yeah, retirement because they predicted it... after um, practice. In fact, no, they predicted just before qualifying, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, that is the advantage of leaving your predictions <laughs> it last is. minute. Very it's cheeky. The fact that the new Deresta was going to be in that car to predict that he would be first DNF. Mm. Um Number of finishes was 16. Three people got that right. Stu, you were spot on. Paul Kelsall spot on. And Craig Mitchell also spot on with 16. Boom. And then Bottas was their random driver who came home third. Almost everyone else said second. Uh, but Dat's Life got that right as well. There was, a, there was a horrible moment for both Craig Mitchell and a glorious moment for Dat's Life at the end of that race. Because obviously Craig yes. Mitchell said fourth for Bottas. And he was fourth up until that last <laughs> tiny little bit of the race. And then that's life. Obviously, had it the other way around. They said third, and I did tweet them afterwards and say, "How happy are you guys that Hamilton let Bottas back through <laughs> at that last bit of the race?" So, um, yeah, um, lucky. Yeah. So <laughs> that means Craig Mitchell goes from three to four. Eka uh, didn't send anything this week, so she stays on seven and a half. Uh, Paul Kelsall's gone from eight points to nine. I'm next on the list with 12. That's Life have leapt ahead of me. They're now on 13 and a half, only half a point behind Stu on 14. And Tom is hanging on uh, in the lead on 19, despite also scoring zero points this week. So well done, That's Life. <laughs> despite missing a race, they've overtaken me and are very close to overtaking Stu. To reference other sports, you're doing a very like Arsenal-Liverpool approach to this, yes. Chris. Like, start off strong, look like you might contend, and then just <laughs> fall away as the season goes on. Also a Tottenham, I'm coming fourth in a three-horse race. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we also had some bonus predictions from um, the Admit One Movies podcast, guys. Uh, they predicted a Mercedes win. Unlucky. Uh, Max breakdown. You could argue he had a mental breakdown, I suppose, when he was <laughs> his teammate. But there we go. Uh, Alonso retirement, very much no. Uh, one dubious overtake, <sighs> nearly. There were some dubious defences, maybe not so much dubious overtakes. Um, this is the most surprising one. They predicted an upset of Vettel, which I don't think happened this week. No, no. Um, it's made what happens no. when he's in the lead and he's got his teammate behind him who's not allowed to overtake him. Um, and they also said some assorted whining, which we got from uh, various people, I guess. Not not a great round of predictions there from Admit One, really. <laughs> no, not the best, but uh, yeah. thanks for them anyway. Um, yeah, we tried to get them to threats, send in some uh, predictions for the league, so hopefully they'll join in that next week as well. Fingers crossed. Uh, so yeah, that's life. Three out of five. Still no one 
getting close than the three and a half out of five for the clean sweep, but they they're getting there. If anyone's going to do it, it seems like it's them at the moment. Mm-hmm. They're on the roll. They are on the they roll. Are. Um, right, moving away from F1 for a little bit, we also had the Formula E finale uh, this weekend in Montreal, the double header, uh, where Lucas Degrassi won the championship for season three. Um, he Com- came third in the first season and second in the second season, so it only seemed right that he won the third <laughs> season. Natural progression. Um, he overturned a 10-point deficit before the weekend um, and ended up actually winning by 24 points over Buemi, which was largely due to Buemi having an absolutely shocking weekend. Mm. Um, he had a huge crash in practice on Saturday morning. I don't know if you saw it. It was a really big old crash. He caught yeah, the yeah. inside of a... on the way into a chicane and just ploughed into the wall opposite, uh, knocked four corners off his car. Um, so the team obviously had to frantically re- rebuild his car ready for the race he didn't qualify all that well either he was back in 12th managed to get up to 4th and was then disqualified because they rebuilt his car 3 kilos underweight which is pretty devastating um, he really lost his cool after the race as well he was like charged up and down the pit lane like having to go at other drivers trying to work out who'd crashed into at one point and having to go at people like he really really lost his cool on Saturday then Sunday, yet another poor qualifying. He was in the middle of the pack, picked up damage. Um, he got the black and there was yeah, it's a weird quirk of the rules actually. He got the black and orange meatball flag for damage to his car, which so you have to go into the pits within three laps, I think, when you get the meatball flag. The bit mm-hmm. that was broken on his car then fell off, but because he'd been shown the flag, he still had to go into the pits, come to a stop, and then set off again, Ugh. which is silly. They literally stood there, watched him come to a stop and waved him on again. So that obviously dropped him to the back. Um, and he only managed to finish 11th after that. Uh, so yeah, in the end, it was a pretty comfortable win for Degrassi. Obviously, the fact that Boemi missed two races because of his um, World Endurance Championship yeah. uh, commitments is one thing. But 24 points is still quite a lot. I think even if Boemi had been there, it could have been a very close finish. Mm. Potentially, but... How much of sort of things like the crash and what have you would you maybe put down to that weekend away? Possibly, yeah. yeah it's... You know, like hopping between formulas cannot be easy. I have full no. respect to drivers that do it, but when you when you're in such a uh, quite evenly matched title fight in terms of the car formula yeah. as it is at the moment, I'd have thought that you know, as much time in the car and as many points yeah. on the board as possible is what you want. But yeah. then again, it's Toyota pulling the strings, isn't it, for World Endurance? It's it's them saying he's our driver. Yeah. Um, he's coming with us. So Yeah, he must be very oh. disappointed. Mm. I think he actually would rather have done Formula E from what I've seen, to be honest. But there That's we what go. I mean. It's like, to, to me, it's cost him his title doing that. Um, yeah. But it's one of them things, isn't it? It's like... it. It pains me when calendars clash in such a way that things like this sort of happen, but it's difficult, as we've talked about in the past, it's really difficult to get things to not clash. There's just that many forms of open-wheel racing alone, let alone when you start taking sports cars and world endurance and stuff into it. Yeah. it's. um, I was pretty happy to see Degrassi win, though. He's been sort of there or thereabouts all three seasons. He was actually... He's been involved in Formula E from the very start. He was the first person to drive yeah. the very first car they built. He's he's given a lot to the series, so it's nice to see him 
uh, get his championship. Um, also worth mentioning that Vern actually won the race, which was his and uh, Tachita's first race win. So congrats to them. Um, yeah. It's been a really good season, actually. We've had four different teams regularly winning races. Obviously, Renault and um, uh, Abt, but also Mahindra have been popping up with wins every now and again. And... Uh, Virgin have won a couple, and obviously Tashita makes that five different uh, teams that have won races this season. Um, yep. mm. Yeah, it's been a really impressive season. It's interesting to see where it goes in the next few years, especially with uh, manufacturers starting to flock there. Um, but I think that's yeah. something we'll probably talk about in a bit more depth uh, over the next few weeks, because it is yeah. uh, Formula One summer break now. We've got four whole weeks of no Formula One. Um, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Uh, I'm sure <laughs> we'll, we'll have still... to talk about something else. The problem is Formula E is done now, and in the past we've used Formula E as a gap filler. Yeah. So now that's gone. Um, Formula 2 and Formula uh, and GP3, sorry, can't be done because they're yeah. for the Formula 1 round. So is there any world endurance in the gap? I think can't that's... remember what there is. I don't think there's many of them left either. Because a lot of sports do, uh, well, motorsports do have a little bit of a break in the middle, don't they? A yeah. quiet spot. So yeah, we'll, we'll definitely um, be back anyway. We'll um, like I say, there's the whole uh, thing with lots of manufacturers dropping other series to go to Formula E to talk about. We sort of broke half a new story at the end of last episode with uh, Mercedes confirming their Formula E spot. It turns out they were also dropping their DTM team at the same time. So uh, yeah, it's an interesting time for motorsports. So we'll dig into that at some point. Yeah, I think I think the plan for us next week will probably be we'll cover testing because obviously testing started today. Yep. Um, at Hungary, so we'll cover whatever comes out of F one testing and who manages what in what spec car. And there's a few 2018 tire tests, so it'll be interesting to see where they sit compared to the others. So that's something we'll probably look at next week and maybe dig into this. Everyone moving to Formula E biz. Yes, um, and if there's anything else you want us to talk about, or comments, or questions, or drawings that you've done, or anything, uh, you can send us whatever you like on Twitter. We're Back of the Grid F1. You can find us on Facebook. Just search Back of the Grid. We're on Instagram at Back of the Grid. Back of the Grid dot com is our website. You can find all of us. Uh, Stu is Stu underscore PX. Tom is Tom King eighty nine, and I am TNM Chris. That will do us for this week. So thanks for joining us, and we will speak to you soon. Bye, everyone. Goodbye. Bye. we'd lost you again at the end then Stu for a second <laughs> so did I and then he just went bye <laughs> and he just <laughs> nearly, I nearly burst out laughing as I hit the music <laughs> basically designed to make sure he came out behind Vettel and even then he only just came <laughs> out behind Vettel um, I mean is there an ice cream van in the background somewhere <laughs> yeah annoying that all my windows are shut it's, that is a load th- of that ice shows cream how man. quiet my estate is Oh, um, the, the ice cream that. man can be heard in my house. Amazing. I, I'm envious. Anyway.